chapter, and we are in Romans chapter 10. So let's stand and let's turn to Romans 10. That's where we're going to read from. But we will be going through 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Romans chapter 10. Let's start at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith with we preach that if, con, that's the subwano word for if, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be, not could be, not should be. No, if you confess that Jesus Christ, you've taken yourself off the throne of your life and you've confessed him, he's my new master, you shall be saved. And here's why. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, declaring Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, and that would be believes on him as the Lord of your life, will not be put to shame. And Father, this morning, as we, even as Danny prayed, as we turn our hearts to you. It's obvious you're coming back. You've told us when we see these things begin to happen to look up, to be aware, to be on the lookout for. And so, Lord, please give us ears to hear that we might hear what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. First Chronicles chapter 13 is where we're going to be. If there is a single issue that brings unnecessary heartache, confusion, chaos, and sin into a believer's life today, 1 Chronicles chapter 13 becomes a picture of how that happens in all of our lives. So if you have ever brought into your life unnecessary heartache, confusion, chaos, and sin like we all have, Tune in, team, for this is as clear and as graphic as it gets. Here's the backstory coming into 1 Chronicles 13. The ark had been captured by the Philistines when Saul was king. The Philistines were the ones who captured it. God has judged the Philistines after having it for seven months by sending them all these ungodly things. So they have shipped the, the ark back. It's been sitting 10 miles northwest of Jerusalem for the past 20 years. David has now been recognized king over all of Israel. All 12 tribes are on board. David has established Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And he's in this process of consulting with everyone on bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. That's where we are in the timeline of events here as we start into 1 Chronicles 13. And David's first order of business, I want you to see this, once he established Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, 
It's to bring back the ark. Look what it says here. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands, with the captains of hundreds, and with every leader. So would that be like the leader of the grocery store, the leader of the Starbucks, the leader of the department store, the leader at the gas station? Well, it says every leader. So every leader is every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if, it's dangerous right here, if it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, because hey, you want God in all these decisions, Let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the priests and Levites. Hey, we want the whole religious community on board. All those who are in their cities and their common lands that they may gather together to us and let us bring the ark of God back to us for we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. Now, when you read this from the world's perspective, you go, Wow, what a great working model that David put out for us. David consulted with the CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs, the UFOs. He's consulting with everyone. He's consulted with his board members, the managers, the district reps, the salespeople, the marketing directors. Why, he even consulted with his own customers. He wants to get everybody on board for this new product launch. David has sought out rich and poor, powerful and weak alike, that they all might give their stamp of approval on his activity here. I mean, that's what you want to do, I guess, in the world if you want a successful launch, get everybody to like the product, sell it, and then everybody buys it. But team, listen, you and I, were not of the world. We're not. We live in this world, but we are not of it. That means we don't operate like the world does. Jesus says three different times in his fight before he is arrested with his boys, he says these things. I have given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Secondly, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world, Father. There's spaces between that. And then again, if If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Team, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, then you are not of this world either. The world and how it operates hates you because it doesn't like who we are and how we operate. As followers of Jesus Christ, we live and we operate differently than the world does. That is plain and simple. If you go, well, no, pastor, I kind of operate just like the unsaved heathen down the street. You might want to check in because it's wrong. We're not of this world. We don't operate that way. We don't see the same things the world does. This world is not our home. We could be in heaven tonight. And then everything is left behind for the Antichrist. But that's okay. Let them have it. It's all going to burn up anyway but we're not of this world. As followers of Jesus Christ, we see, we do, we act, we speak, we live differently. But David here in these opening three verses here, he's operating just like the world does and people are going to die. That's why this is so graphic. That's why we're making a detour from Matthew chapter 6. 
Because in these last days we live in, men will be lovers of themselves. They will be making their own decisions. Paul writes that to the church. And team, if we're honest with ourselves here, we're all busted here. And here's why. Nowhere in this entire chapter anywhere does David consult with the Lord. Oh, he talks about God. But nowhere does he consult. And this is an epidemic in the church of the last days, and it's killing the church all around the world. I've been there. I've seen it played out in Africa. I see, I, I, I'm watching Western influence change the churches, the Christian churches in the Philippines. But we already know that, right? Jesus writes that last day's church in Revelation chapter 3 to the church of the Laodiceans. Remember? To the church that is ruled by the hearts and affairs of man rather than being ruled by the Lord. He's already told us this is how it's going to be. But you and I, we have to fight against that. The Laodiceans, rather than be led by Jesus who loves them and lives in them and died for them, They shook all that off. And he's outside the door knocking, waiting to get in. Hey, I don't know who that was. They can come in. Please notice in verse 2, David even talks about God. See what it says here? If it is is of the Lord our God. But A, he never seeks God and asks him. And B, if he did seek him, he acted before he got an answer. Because people are going to die for the wrong activity here. We would say he prayed about it today in today's language, but he didn't get an answer. So he just went for it. You ever talked with someone before? It's like, hey, so how did actually did you end up there? Well, I prayed about it. Um, what did God say? Well, I prayed about it. I know, but what did he speak to? You told me you prayed about it. Obviously, you prayed. God answered well, no, I just prayed about it. Hey, listen, um, church of the last days will pray about it and do what they want to do. Church of the biblical days prays about it, hears from the Lord, and then acts. Now, please understand, the idea to bring the ark into Jerusalem, it's epic. But how it should be done can only come from the Lord. We got that? Let me say that again. The idea to bring the ark into Jerusalem is epic, but how it should be done can only come from the Lord. See, our directions in life can only come from daily following Jesus. Because if we're not daily following Jesus, then we are daily following the world. And yet Jesus has said, no, you know, you're my disciples. You're not of this world. Besides that, team, that's why Jesus lives in us to guide us, to direct us. That's why we took ourselves off the throne of our lives, that salvation in the first place, and we gave him control that he might go before us. That is why a worn-out phrase in each one of our vocabulary must be, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then he speaks and he guides and directs. As we wait for an answer, and we, and we act, rather than just talking about God and doing something, because that's what they're doing here, but someone's going to die. 
They're going to die because of David's failure to seek the Lord and to listen. When the brain surgeon told me back in 2016 I was going to be on those steroids to keep me alive for, uh, from the, for the rest of my life, and then they told me again in August of 2017 and again in August of 2018, and I am sure they're going to tell me the same thing here in a couple of weeks in August of 2019. And when they told me that, I, without hesitation, you've heard the story before, but it gets twisted. I, I told them, because I'm not in this world, I, without hesitation, because those words ran contrary to the word of God. I, without hesitation, because of my relationship with Jesus Christ and how he works in us, told them that's not going to happen. You know, when I'm being stupid, hopefully, I want to be, I'm not, sometimes. You speak something, I receive it. But when it comes to direction for my life, when it comes to direction for your life, there is only one man who knows the beginning and ending of your days. And that's the God-man. That's Jesus. So I tapered myself off those steroids. Jesus led me a doctor that would do the test. It was the last pick. It's like, no, I don't want to go to that one. But that was the one I... And I knew... I needed to go there, but I exercised all my other options until I finally got, okay, I'll go to this one. Turned out she was the best doctor on the planet. Because they all thought I was crazy. I might have twisted the story a little bit, left out facts. And so she did this test in January of 2017. And again, she did it last Monday. And in her words, you are fine. Everything will work just like it needs to if you're ever in danger of anything that would kill you. You're fine. Because we have all these chemicals in our body. Without cortisol, you will die. Well, a week after brain surgery, I had zero. But God brought it back to life. Now listen, I love doctors. God uses doctors. I take drugs they tell me to take. But they are not God, even though some might act like they are. Now, please, I'm still on drugs after brain surgery. I am. I'm going to be on them forever. But that steroid was changing me. And so I asked them about it. And when they said, no, you're going to be on that for the rest of your life, I knew right then, I knew the Lord was going to heal me because they are trying to set direction for me. And so I tapered off them. Now, I didn't take myself off of those drugs because I didn't like them or their side effects. I didn't take myself off of those drugs because I prayed about it and didn't get an answer, so I just did what I wanted to do. I didn't take myself off of those drugs because I was exercising blind faith. Oh, just have faith, man. Get out there and do it. No, that's, no God always speaks to us. Read through the Old Testament. God always speaks to people. Then they go do. I didn't take myself off those drugs just because I wanted to be in charge of my life. I took myself off of them because my Jesus, who is the Lord of my sinner life, spoke to me about them. And today, the epidemic in the church is just pray and act. The buzzword is, well, I prayed about it. Hey, you want to go to a men's retreat? Well, let me pray about that, brother. Oh, please. We're asking for two days out of 365. Let me pray about that. It's crazy what's happening in the church today. 
Well, I prayed about it. Well, what about an answer? Jesus says, you can ask anything in my Father's name and he'll do it. It's either yes or no. Well, he didn't answer. Then keep praying. I prayed for my dad for 30 years and then God saved him. He never told me not to stop, so I just kept praying. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's got this thorn in the eye. He's pleading with Jesus. It said three times. Could have said 300, 3,000, could have said one time. It says three. He kept pleading with Jesus until Jesus answered him. Well, pastor, I pray and Jesus don't answer me. Well, there's something wrong in your relationship, my friend. What about spiritual activity, pastor? The Bible says just do it. Yeah, and that is all true, but the Bible also says walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. When Paul is out as a pioneer taking the gospel to the Gentiles, multiple times we find words like this. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Why? I mean, God's will, take the commission, got to go, got to go, got to go. Now, listen, right, wrong time, wrong person, wrong place is always going to bring a disaster. Right person, right time, right place is always going to bring God's best. And for some reason, that only God needs to know, Paul was was stopped. You know, we know this. We only have one Lord over our lives who died for us, and he has the right to lead us, even as he had the right to lead Paul. L listen to the rest of these. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, there is a whole Bible full of our Lord guiding the lives of men and women team, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will speak if we give him the opportunity to. For me, and you probably don't even know this, they've been preaching radiation for the last three years. That tumor's gonna grow, it's gonna grow, it's gonna grow, it gotta grow, gotta get it out now, gotta do the radiation. Um, it hasn't grown at year one. It hasn't grown at year two. And we'll find out here in about a month whether or not it's growing in year three. The, the radiology report says I'm stable. Two passages of many come to mind that will demonstrate theologically how this plays out in our lives. See, the Old Testament is a picture. Well, let's add some theology to it. One from the Old Testament and one to the New Testament should govern over our lives in these last days we're living in. And if they're not governing over lives, over our lives, then we're just going to be people in love with ourselves. And I don't want to see that happen to any of us. We'll just be making our own decisions, leading our lives like the Laodiceans did. I don't want to see that happen to any of us. So please, Proverbs chapter 3, detour number 1. We'll come back to First Chronicles chapter 13. And, and, and you know what? Some of us, I'm sure we probably do, we even have this plaque on a wall. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. But you know what? I guarantee you, verse 7's not on there. Proverbs chapter 3. You might even have it memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word trust here, according to the language experts, 
experts, means to lie face down as a servant would, waiting for the command from their master so they could obey. So try, this, they're laying face straight out, waiting for the master. As soon as he, he says, they get up and go. That's what the word trust means here. Trust in the Lord with 100% of your heart. Not 99.9999, no, it's 100%. Anything less, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, makes me look warm. I need to trust with all my heart. I, mean, I need to trust the one who died for me, the one that sees the beginning and the ending of my life all at the same time. And lean not on your own understanding. That means you put all your decision-making skills away and you lean totally on the Lord. Well, that's not, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like that. I don't know if I'm going to feel about, how am I going to feel about it? No, 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 you, no, listen, listen, look, look, look. When you came to Jesus, you died. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him. All means what again? All means all and all, that's all all means. And look at the great promise. I mean, this is an incredible promise. And he shall direct your path. And he does. And we know he does when we live this out. The world doesn't have this. The last days, lukewarm believer doesn't have this because they're just doing their own thing. This is an incredible promise for us. But please notice, the thought does not end here. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I guarantee you, that is not on your plaque at home. I mean, who would ever come out and say, oh, I know better than you, God? No one would say that. But you know what? When you and I, we lead our lives, we're saying we know better, God. Look what it says. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I guarantee you that's not on your plaque at home. And see, that evil would be of you or me making our own decisions for our lives apart from Jesus, our Lord, who died for us to direct us and lives in us. I mean, look at the outcome of living that way at verse 8 all the way down. You can go back and read it tonight. That, that's totally awesome. Totally another Bible study, though. Let's go to James chapter 4. Next spot. James 4. Theologically, this is how we need to live. Theologically, this is how David needed to live so people wouldn't die. James chapter 4, verse 13. James is writing to believers. Please understand that. All the epistles are written to believers. James 4.13, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? I love this pitch here. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. God's saying, look, you only have this much to spend. So don't lean on yourself. Don't look to yourself. What is your life? It's only a vapor, man. It's here today. It's going to be gone tomorrow. You only got this much of your life to trust Jesus. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that as the Lord directs our lives. But now you boast in your arrogance because those James is writing to are making their own earthly decisions for life apart from the Lord Jesus who lives in them. 
And James calls them out and says, it's complete arrogance when you act that way. And then he says, all such boasting is evil. Wow, that takes me back to Proverbs 3 where we were just at. And then in context here, team, therefore, the word therefore is always a term of conclusion. It's a conjunction. It ties me back to a previous thought. When I see the word therefore, I stop and ask myself, what's it? Therefore. Therefore to him who knows to do good. Lord, if this is your will for my life, lead me. Lord, I want to do your will, not my own. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, God's word, not mine, to him it is sin. See, the do good in context here is to be led by the voice of God and not your religious activity or your earthly decision-making skills. It is sin in my life when I lead my life and not my Lord who died on the cross for me and bought me. And it is sin in my life when I lead my life rather than allowing the Jesus Christ who died for me and the Spirit of God that lives in me. And you know, it's that way in my life, it's that way in your life. You know, you might have, if you read ahead, you go, no, aren't we supposed to be in Matthew chapter 6? Yeah, I already had it done. I was ready for it. It, it was, it's a great passage. It counters the last days living, you know. Last days will be lovers of the self, lovers of money. Matthew 6 says, Jesus says, when you give, not if, when. I was ready. But you know what? When the Lord speaks, you got to obey. And we got to obey. And so this is why, this is why we're here. I think it's pretty safe to say after looking at both the passage in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it will always be sin in our lives if we lead ourselves in anything. But that's how, I'm telling you, that's how it's going to be in the last days because it's already been written. So we have to fight against that. And you know what happens when the church of the last days is in love with themselves and lovers of money and having a form of godliness but to be denying its power? You know what happens as, as the church lives that way? The same thing that happens in the First Chronicles chapter 13. People are going to die. What are you talking about? Well, First Corinthians, First Corinthians 10, 13 says, God has prepared good works in advance for all of us to walk. No, no, Sorry. One of those verses, it says, God has prepared good works in advance for all of us to walk in. Hey, but if we're doing our own thing, he's got them all prepared. If we're doing our own thing, we're missing his thing, people are going to die because we're going to miss what God wants to do. And that's what's happening today. But Jesus already told us about it in his living word. In context in our passage, David sought everyone but the Lord. Oh, remember, he talked about God. But he never looked to God for an answer. And they are going to watch people die. I have a decision coming up in my life team that will affect me and my wife and my family for the rest of our lives. And team, if you didn't know this, you're my family. That's how we, that's how we live. That's how we see things. And the decisions that you, affect, you make, that should affect your family as well, as long as we're your family. And the last thing I want to do in looking for direction in this big decision of my life is to get the calculator out and try and figure out if it will work. 
or try and figure out if I should go this way or go that way or hold here or fold here. Here? There? Uh Uh-uh. Is this what I do? Now listen, I am all about, in the multitude of counselors, there is great safety. And I'm going to talk to godly men and women who have walked with Jesus way longer than I have. But ultimately, without reservation, Jesus has to be calling the shots for my life and for your life. Or we're going to take the wrong turn. See, I don't want to make the biggest decision of my life at the age of 58 by looking at the facts, the figures, the charts, the stats, and see if this thing is really going to work. That would drive any sane man crazy. And since some of you may already think I'm crazy, that would put me right in the loony bin where they lock me up in a straitjacket. But that's not God's best for me, my wife, or our family. What is God's best is that we, what we read in Proverbs 3 and 4 And then we live that out, and anything less than that, it's sin. Back to verse 4, 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Let's wrap this whole thing up so you can see. But so we've looked, we looked at that where we began. This is where David started, consulting man, not God, talking about God. We looked at this is how it needs to play out in our lives and how it should have played out in David's life, because he he has Proverbs 3. Okay? Well, not really, but he has God. Solomon hasn't been born yet. Look at verse 4. They talked about everybody and talked among themselves about it with everybody, but not the Lord. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Everyone's going, yeah, man, go for it. Thumbs up. Woohoo! It's going to be great. Hey, you can't make this stuff up here. This is how our Lord Jesus has this recorded for any of who have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit wants to speak to in the last days. This is what it says. That looks right in my eyes, David. Go for it. David is going to teach everyone that wants to see an important lesson by failing here. David teaches his mighty men who he fought with and led into battle an important lesson. Verse 5, so David gathered all of Israel together from Seor and Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath German. And David and all Israel went up to Baalah, to Kiriath German, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the ark of God, the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God, look at this, on a shiny new cart. So that was somebody's idea. Hey, who, who can, hey, let's get that master craftsman. He, let's get Barry. No, Barry's are a little too rustic. We need something real shiny, you know. Rustic work, work, woodwork wasn't in back then. We gotta, it has to be shiny. It has to be new. It's got to be awesome. God wants us to see that. And they brought the ark of God on a shiny new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah whose names mean strength and brotherly. And they drove the cart. Uzzah in Ohio, or Ahio, or however you want to pronounce that. Then David and Israel played music before God with all their might. Do you see that? They are into this worship service. I mean, they are going for it with singing, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with the trumpets. They are like on fire. 
Pastor Chuck used to always say, it doesn't matter how high you jump up and worship. What matters is how straight you walk when you walk out the doors. But that's an epidemic in the church today. Even though the worship was still going on and people were into it, they are carrying the ark contrary to God's ways here, and people are going to what? They're going to die. You're just going to have to believe me unless you've already cheated and read ahead. See that phrase? All of their might. They, wow, worship was on fire tonight. Woo, you should have been there. Really? What did God speak to you? Uh, I don't know. It was on fire. If it was on fire, we, need a, we read of no life or heart change in this worship service here. We read of no corrective action in the midst of this worship sh service here because they're needed to be because people are going to what? Die. Don't you think in the midst of the worship service that the Lord would have spoke to them? Oh, yeah, he would have if they wanted to listen. But see, now when it's all about me, Oh, they had the shiny new cart with the ark on top. They had strength and bro brotherly. Man, they're overseeing it. Man, it was quite the worship production here. But it was all by man and not the Lord. Kind of sounds like an emotional experience, doesn't it? Man, I felt the spirit moving there. Really? I didn't know it was about that unless he's speaking to you. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I haven't heard this in a long time. I used to hear it all the time back in the 80s. Oh, I had the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Really? What did he speak to you? No, I felt it. Okay, what did he speak to you? It's all a show, team. Looks great. New cart. Brotherly. Strength. And man, it was, they are loving. They sought everybody on how it should happen. It's festive. They're happy. The strength and brothers are in the center of attention of everything. Everything is new and exciting. They brought out all the band for this show. They got the electric bass and acoustic guitars. They got the violins, the cellos, the trombones, the trumpets, saxophones, the tubas. They have multiple drum sets with cymbals and bells, and people are feeling it. But you know what? It's not pleasing to the Lord. It's earthly because someone's going to die. It's fleshly. And when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died before God. Now, you may not be familiar with the story, so I'll give you the ending. The ark was never supposed to be carried on a cart. It was always supposed to be carried by poles with Levites, okay? And that's why he dies here, because it's being transported improperly. And I guarantee you, when he died, the band stopped playing. No one is worshiping the Lord. People are catching flies with their, with their jaws dropped open. I mean, I think the fear of the Lord is starting to settle in like crazy. Verse 11, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Now, please, look up here for one second. David does not become angry at God. Only what God did. Please notice that. Okay? I, I don't know, uh, but it's part of the thing that's becoming the new thing today. You can become angry at God. Really? I haven't really. Well, why would we become angry at God, the one who loves us and sent his son to die for us and always, always wants his best for us? Why would we ever become angry at that? Or better yet, why do we think we have the right to become angry at that? David is not angry at God. 
This clearly says, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, because of what God had done. I hope we can all see that. No doubt he's racking his melon trying to figure out what just happened. Maybe he's going, Lord, I, I thought this is what you wanted to do. And it was. They just did it in their own strength. We already know because we've already covered, the, covered it in our Wednesday night Bible studies through the book of Chronicles. Because that's where we are on Wednesday night, Chronicles. And God's desire was for the ark to come to Jerusalem. But God's plan versus our plans or our strength or our methods or our decisions or our ways of carrying it out is absolutely not pleasing to the Lord as we view what just happened here. And the Bible would call it sin. As strength was killed, all forward progress was halted. You know, if in the middle of this worship service, if David would have stood up and said, look, I've heard everyone's input, I've heard their idea on how to get the ark back, but that is our strength on how to make it work. And we all need to seek the Lord for his ways on how to do this. And we're not going to do anything until our Lord Jesus speaks to us. If he would have done that, none of this would have happened. I've been, in, been on, in staff meetings, decision-making meetings, and there's a three-hour meeting with a 30-second prayer tagline at the end. I'm just saying, that's, an in, that's a, that's a behind-the-scenes look at what happens. And that's in Calvary Chapel. Lord, bless our efforts. We've talked about them for three hours. Lord, bless our efforts. I hope the Lord spoke the direction in the first place. The failure to include the Lord in his decision here, even though God talked about, even though David talked about God back in verse 2, David's angry. He's puzzled. He's fuming. He's confused about God's outbreak against Uzzah, and he will remain that way until he seeks the Lord. And he remains that way a long time. We know, we've done the book of Jonah, that Jonah was inside the big fish for three days, then he prayed. I don't know about you. When they're throwing me over, I would have been repenting and praying. Not Jonah. He's inside the fish for three days before he prays. Man, that is stubborn. Well, David's going to wait at least three months till he seeks the Lord. God wants to be involved in all of our steps of faith, team. Not only the where, but also the how to get it done because he knows the best ways. The reason Jesus wants to live this way is so I believe nothing is left to chance or will fail, team, because he doesn't want us to fail. When we fail, it is not our Jesus. It's us. God desires nothing but love and his best for us. It's always us why we fail. In the book of Isaiah, God says, my plans for you are greater than your plans. My ways for you are higher than your ways. It's always us. See, our Jesus desires us to avoid unnecessary heartache, confusion, chaos, and sin in our lives, but he will never force us to do or live his way. He will allow us to keep on failing till we yield to him and he directs our lives. When the Lord Jesus is powering us with his dunamis power in our lives and directing the boat, we are like pirates on the open sea taking back from the enemy what he has stolen from God. 
David was afraid of God that day. What is this? Saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me? That is the saddest verse in this entire chapter. He was afraid of God that day. David's still lacking understanding, is he not? What would have been the proper thing for David to be afraid of here? It starts with an S, ends with an N, and you have two of them right here. That's an I. I, get it, two of them. S-I-N. That's what David should have been afraid of here. Do you see how his thoughts are so easily misguided here? You and I, we can be the same way. I know I've been this way in my life. And yet, where did the problem lie in the moving of the ark? Multiple choice, my favorite. I usually got at least these right 50% of the time. Where did the problem lie in moving the ark? With God or with David? Say it like you know the answer. Some, really? Really? You, you don't like the essay questions? Not me. I like those multiple choice ones. It's always that way, team. And look, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here. I know I'm playing my one-string banjo about letting the Lord lead and guide our lives. But I know this, me, myself, and I will always be the issue in my life. If you go back and read this passage and look for me, myself, and I, there's quite a few of them in there. It's not them or what others think or her or him. No, that's how the church of the last days will be because they're totally in love with themselves. See, my greatest obstacle in life, walking in the Spirit, is always consulting with me, myself, and I, rather than waiting on the Lord to speak, guide, and direct. He wants to. I mean, we talk about a relationship with Christ, right? So how would your relationship be with your spouse if you never talked to one another? You just looked at each other. Hey, read my eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Well, God's the same way. Jesus wants to interact that same way in our lives. I think I already said this. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything I spoke to you. That's what he, Jesus told his boys. Verse 13, so David would not mark, mark, uh, mark, for David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. It appears he's still not seeking the Lord. And my guess is, by looking at my own life or yours, it's because he thinks he's right. Right? I mean, somebody dies on your watch, don't you think you'd like seek the Lord and go, Lord, what happened? Not if you're right. I want to bring the ark in, that's David's heart, but not if it's going to kill people, that's David's wrong understanding. That's what he's thinking here. Otherwise, he would have moved it in. And since David's not seeking the Lord, the Lord who loves him is going to go about other means by blessing Obed-Edom. Look at verse 14. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom. He's a Levite in, the house, in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. The Bible doesn't say How? Only that the Lord God Almighty, creator of the universe, blessed him in such radical ways that the, all of Israel took notice. So how did that happen? I don't know. You know, was, was David planting, or was Obed-Edom planting seeds on day one and harvesting on day two? Wow, how did that happen? Was, it, was his sheep, you know, he had a sheep and then all of a sudden it multiplied? Because there's a three-month time. 
You can maybe get a crop in three months. You're not going to get animals in three months. Add animals and crops. Or babies. Human babies. So whatever God did, it was totally supernatural here. And all of Israel has taken notice. Listen to this, 2 Samuel 6, 12. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord God Almighty has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Over the course of three months, that's what happened. And so David goes and seeks the Lord. And guess what? The Lord answers just like he will you and me each time when we ask. Because if you go back and read the rest of this, he obviously seeks the Lord because then once the Lord speaks to him, he goes to the Levites and said, hey, you guys should have known better. But it was all in him first because he was a leader. He was the king. He was, this was his show. For you and I, we just have to deny ourselves and believe it's dead and keep it dead, reckon it dead daily, pick up our cross daily and go wherever the Father is calling us to go, following Jesus the whole way. It's critical for our lives. Because see, listen, if you're not following Jesus, then you're not going to make it into heaven. Because Jesus is in heaven and, he, and he's leading us. Following Jesus is the only way, team, and he is leading us right into heaven. Amen? It's where we want to be walking. Father, we're thankful for the pictures, the theology, 